This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am joined, as always, by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham, and we are going to talk about Game 1, Celtics-Nets. The Nets pulled away from the Celtics 104-93 to in the fourth quarter, despite a truly impressive performance by Robert Williams, which we're going to get into extensively. I guess to start, before the game, I texted you guys. I was like, man, I just, I have this feeling like, I feel like the Celtics are like, I don't know. I feel like they've kind of like, you know, turned it around a little bit. And like, I kind of feel like they have a chance to win this series. And uh, Nicole was like, well, I feel like you're just saying this privately so that you can then brag about it on the podcast when, you know, like if you happen to be right. About two minutes into the third quarter, I was like, I'm going to just have to like cop to this bad take on the podcast because as soon as the Nets kind of figured themselves out, um, it really felt like the Celtics didn't have, uh, just kind of, just kind of didn't have much for them. I mean, I can see why you had reached that point, like that take based on the first half. Like you said in your text message, this was only the eighth game for Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden to be all available. Like there could have been some problems there. The Celtics had just all rested. Like they won their playing games. They had plenty of time to rest. But like once the Nets were able to make three pointers and not that it it was even like a barrage of them, like they just started making some, it was over. Like you could just tell even when they were up by six, you could just tell once these shots are falling, the Celtics had no match for them. In the first half, the Nets made one three pointer and they were down by six. Like that's a fantastic situation for them. And it feels weird criticizing the Celtics because it's like, I mean, they made it closer, I think, than anybody thought in the first half and even through three. But this was the game probably for them because you could totally tell the difference once that three-pointer's falling. And it still wasn't even falling. Like Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Landry Shamet all had like wide open looks in the corner at some points in the second half. And I mean, James Harden, like the three ball still wasn't even falling at like probably the rate that they wanted to. I don't even know what they ended up shooting on the game. They ended yeah, up shooting 23 yeah but they were one for 13 in the first half so they were seven for 21 the rest of the way yeah it turns out the nets shooting eight percent from deep is not a sustainable and the celtics were shooting like 53 percent, i think also not sustainable yeah also not sustainable i still think the nets working through their growing pains are significantly better than the celtics and i think that was kind of evident because even in the second half the nets were still working through some things like you could tell it wasn't like their offense was all that smooth it was just some of their shots started falling and that was the difference maker like well they finished with 104 points that's not a great game for the nets celtics defense played pretty well so you have to give credit to the celtics defense but the celtics offense in the second half was not great and jason tatum was not great and kemba walker was in foul trouble early and that just got him off to a rough start so we talked about this previewing the series with Christian and with ourselves, like Celtics can't score less than a hundred points and win a game in the series. That's just not going to happen. The Nets had a really rough go and they still scored over a hundred points. That's just kind of the way this is going to work. So I think you're going to see the Nets like work through some things over the next couple of games. And they're still going to be a very good team. It's just the Celtics need to kind of, I don't even capitalize on that where they can like tonight. They couldn't, if they had had a halfway decent second half, they might've won this game. They, they were right there. 
even though they had a crappy second half. So I think bottom line here, the Nets are still such a better team, even as they're working through some of these things. And that's just going to prevail in most of these games, I think. I mean, if Jason Tatum could do anything and like, I know he's clearly like the focal point of any like opposing defense. So like, I'm not saying like, this isn't necessarily a criticism, but like he finished the first half six of 14 and he finished the game six of 20. Like the Celtics just aren't going to win a game with that stat line from him. Like that's just a fact. Well, and there was no cool to your point about the game, just feeling over when it was like a six point game. The problem with the Nets getting out to a six point lead is that anytime the Celtics surge, they just have three guys who can just kill you like mm-hmm. at any time. And also those three guys are like a 10, nothing run waiting to happen. And Brad Stevens after the game said, well, you know, we're trying to, you know, try to turn those 10, nothing runs into like nine, four runs. And he's used that line before, but like, you know, a lot of the time that makes perfect sense, but then against the nets, it's just so hard to do. Cause they can just, I mean, those three guys can just hurt you so badly and so fast. So that that's going to be one of the major issues. The Celtics face is like, you can't, you can't cool down. You can't have, I mean, Tatum played pretty well in the first and like basically like one and a half quarters to start the game. He cooled off quite a bit in the third quarter and the game was over. That's going to be what it is. You almost have to be perfect the entire way through. And that's so hard to do. The majority of the Nets starters or whatever rotation can score points in a hurry. Basically only Jason Tatum can like score Mm -hmm. points at that same rate. Well, and and all like the Celtics also have, they've gotten some of those bursts from Kemba of late. And if you're not going to get that, like they did tonight, like there's definitely no way they're going to be able to hang with this team offensively. Yeah, exactly. Like Tatum and Kemba were combined 11 for 36, like ball game. Like that's it. Like I, I literally, I don't care what the Nets did. Like if in this series, if Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker shoot that poorly from the field, they're going to like the, the Celtics have no chance whatsoever. With those two going, I, like, I feel like even if Evan Fournier had been like, you know, had put up like 30 points, like, I just feel like the Nets would have found ways to, to recover from that. Like Tatum, especially you just, yeah, he has to be so good this whole series. I mean, Nicole, you mentioned it before, like this might've been the Celtic shot to steal a game. And I really, I agree with that. You look at Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, like they were good. They were good tonight. So if you get Tatum, Kemba or Fournier just being like a little bit better in certain areas, that would go a long way. And I think that could have gotten them over the hump in this sort of game. So another thought I had after this game is like, it really stings to waste a Robert Williams nine block night. That's a tough pill to swallow. There's a bunch of things that the Celtics, I feel like it's going to sting a little bit to waste. Like there's mm-hmm. the, I mean, and the Rob Williams one is the big one because he was easily the Celtics best player tonight. He was, yeah. he was phenomenal. That's going to sting. The fact that they played almost a perfect first half, like that's going to sting. Like you had, you had a real chance, even if, you know, the Nets come out and like win game two, if you, if you somehow manage to steal game one and you go back to Boston, like one, one, like we talked about it before. We don't think this team is going to win this series, but like going back to Boston one, one is like the perfect formula to like making this really competitive. Full capacity TD garden crowd. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just that, yeah, that that's another opportunity missed. And I mean, you know, like Marcus Smart was honestly on both ends. Marcus Smart was incredible in the first half. Like he was so good. You know, you, you lost that one too. So I don't know. There's a Jabari Parker, like gave them like real minutes. I like, he was okay. Like, and I mean, sure. He's just a placeholder, but like he was fine. And like, you got like fine minutes from Jabari Parker. You got great minutes from Rob. You got great minutes from Marcus and you still, and you still didn't win the game. That's, that's tough. Okay. So I have a question about the Jabari Parker situation. What I don't get is Brad played an eight man rotation and Jabari was part of it. So like, this was intentional. Like he, this was not like spot minutes. Like he played 21 minutes. 
when you look at his game log after he got traded, he had that like whatever 11 point debut. And then he continued to get like at least 10 minutes for the next four or five games. And then he just like was out of the rotation for the rest of the season. And then he came back in those like final two where they were resting everyone. But like, I don't get the choice to integrate him like in the playoffs. Like I know it's like, well, what are the alternatives? But like, why not try to like get him more reps during the regular season? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think you get thrown into the fact that like you're playing Kevin Durant. Oh, just in terms of like size, you mean? Yeah. Like Tatum can guard him and then like you can put smart on him, but like you can't, you can't do smart for the whole game. Like smart's got to be like a a guard him here and there kind of guy. I feel like, but then you go down the rest of the guys. It's like, okay. I mean, Durant is such a, you could, he'll probably try Shemi at some point, but like Shemi just, you know, doesn't, he just, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know that he gives you enough on the other end. Um, Not that Jabari does either, but that's it. Right. Like that's, that's the tough part about this is like, do you want to trust Jabari's been around a little bit longer than Shemi? I mean, Shemi's been, Shemi's probably played more playoff games at this point. Yeah. But like, and like Brad, but, I feel like has trusted Shemi in other series on a purely defensive basis. I don't know. That was just like really surprising to me. And I'm curious to see whether Brad will stick with it. Cause like literally during the regular season, like when his minutes got cut, he said Jabari just doesn't know what he's doing on the defensive end. He didn't phrase it exactly like that, but he basically said that. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was one play where Jabari Parker, I think he was guarding uh, James Harden, and Harden was driving to the hoop. And, like, for some reason, Jabari just stopped playing defense one step too early. <laughs> like, and it, it wasn't even, like, a tricky play. Like, Harden didn't do anything crazy. It's just, that, like, Jabari seemed to think that, like, like Harden was done running, and Harden was like, well, I have another step. And then no, he like, just stopped. Step and had, like, a <laughs> wide-open lane. Yeah. It was, like, genuinely, like, a bizarre moment um, defensively that kind of cracks me up. <laughs> I mean, when you're looking at Jabari versus Shemi, I get the little added size with Jabari and the added offensive upside. Like, I think if I'm weighing those two, I understand the move to go to Jabari there. And it sounded like when Brad was talking after the game, it sounded like he liked the size and he seemed pretty happy with him on the defensive end. He noted, yeah, he got beat on a couple back cuts, which were pretty bad. But outside of that, he wasn't terrible. Like he's had worse defensive performances this year. So I get the offensive upside with Jabari and it sounded like he just wanted a little bit more size. And like you said, I'm sure he's going to go with Shemi at some point, but Shemi just hasn't given you anything on offense. So I don't know when you look at Shemi, what you're betting on, on that end. He's kind of in a Romeo situation, right? Where he's just, he's just been nothing on the offensive end. And you can't have that against the Nets team. Like you need people to put up points. And and especially you look at it defensively, the the Nets scored 104 points. The defense really did its job. I'm sure a lot of that's Rob, but like Durant, it's not like Durant killed anybody. He had 32 points on 25 shots. He was a volume scorer tonight. And that's, if you can, you know, if you can make Kevin Durant into a volume scorer, I mean, I know this team has other stars, but like that's, that gives you something of a chance. Like you can't afford KD to have like 45 in this series. Like if that happens, you're going to lose. But like, you know, the Celtics did okay defensively. It's it's the offensive end. Like 93 points just is not going to win a game against the Brooklyn Nets. So the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
again, we're going to talk about Rob quite a bit later. So I don't know how much we want to get into him, but I, I think just to touch on it, I mean, he was, I felt like he affected every shot when he was in the game. He yeah. like the, the nets really felt him on every possession. And that was, that was pretty impressive. There was multiple fast breaks where he was one of the first guys back and he forced them into rather than going to the rim, these like weird off balance mid range jumpers. And he had KD miss a couple of them. He had James Harden miss one of them. So even plays that aren't showing up in the box score, Rob was super impactful on almost every defensive possession. He was really, really good. Even just as like a disruptor inside, like he, he was only, he only had one steal according to the box score, but like he certainly caused numerous other turnovers, just his presence inside really good positioning. Like his timing is so damn good and it's gotten so much better even over the course of this season. So he was tremendous tonight. And a big part of the timing is the fact that like, he knows he, he just, you can tell he knows where to be. I, I think a lot of that just comes with like, he played more minutes this year. He's been around a little bit more. He knows the system a little better and he's, he's a little older. I think his feel is so good that as his, as like his kind of know-how as his NBA know-how catches up to it. Like, I think there's a chance for him to be a really special defensive player. I, and it's, it's going to be interesting because he's not going to, be like a switchable guy but i think he's going to be just like his his timing his rotations and as that all kind of adds up i think it's going to be really impressive when he was a rookie or just like earlier on in his career all of the blocks were like these crazy like volleyball spikes where he would jump up and it would like he would block the ball into the stands and stuff like that and now like he has so much more control and he's gotten a lot better at like keeping the ball in play or getting the ball. You know what I mean? Like making it a win for the Celtics instead of just like out of bounds. And then the other team just inbounds the ball. So it's yeah, just spiking the ball. Right yeah. The he would just row. really yeah. spike it. But now there's just like a lot more, I don't know if nuance is the right word, but like you see him like poke the ball out. You see him like sometimes get the ball or like he's better at keeping it in bounds basically. Definitely. I mean, and the other thing, and the other way that you're seeing that is what, you know, Grandma was saying, like, like he affected so many of the shots and like, yeah, he would have the volleyball spikes early on, but he just didn't affect that many shots because he was never in position. And now he is in position. So he's, I mean, one, you see a night like tonight where he had nine blocks, but then two, when he's in position, it's not just about the blocks. It's also about the fact that guys know. And, and honestly, that's something to think about if he can keep playing in this series. Like the Nets now know that if Rob Williams is in the area, he's probably going to send it. And like, that will affect you. Steve Nash said it after the game that they were, I think like the quote was, they were naive in how they approached Robert Williams. Honestly, you see that a lot too, right? Like you see that with, especially with shooters, guys think that they can get away with, because most bigs aren't going to be able to get up high enough to contest those shots. But because Rob can just jump so high and his arms are so long, like you just can't get away with trying to sneak three pointers over him. Now you can pump fake him still sometimes. And like, he really landed on Blake Griffin pretty hard on one of those, one of those pump fakes from behind the arc, but even that he's gotten better at. So that was old Rob, but we hadn't seen old Rob in a while. And we barely saw him tonight. That was like literally yeah. the only old Rob play, I feel like. I mean, he had other mistakes, but like those were just mostly like human error in a basketball game. Old Rob shows up less and less every game, it feels like, which is a huge positive for the Celtics. Let's just do the draft now. I feel like it makes sense. All right, so I'll give myself the first pick. That sounds great. No, I'm <laughs> entering the names right now. <laughs> Wow, first pick. I actually got first pick. I'm not yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, but whatever. That's fine. <laughs> this is frozen envelope. Yeah. Contestant yeah. Nicole gets Patrick Ewing. All right. So now it's time for the Geno Time Draft brought to you by our friends over at Shades on Beer Company, the makers of the delicious Geno Time Stout. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. We highly recommend it. 
And tonight, going on with our recent conversation, we're going to draft the nine Robert Williams blocks in the Celtics game one loss. So first pick of tonight's snake draft is going to go to Nicole, and then we'll go Tom and then myself. And so same format as our inaugural draft with Christian Winfield. I just want to, again, again, protest that Nicole gets the number one pick here. But all right. I'm going to take his block of James Harden's three-point attempt. I don't think anybody was expecting that. I don't think James Harden was expecting that. Rob has blocked three-point attempts before, like tipped them. But this one, it looks like it was particularly like a reach, like really showed how vertical he can get. I think that was at a point where the Nets were really pulling away. I don't think the Celtics were going to, like this wasn't going to be like a game changer, but it definitely kept them around. Um, Like if that shot went in, it definitely would have been over at that point. So I'm going to go with that one. It takes so much skill to block a James Harden step back. And we talk about old Rob versus new Rob. Old Rob would not be down in a defensive stance like that out on the perimeter against a guy like James Harden. Like he would be out of his element big time. Well, the craziest thing about that play was that Rob guarded him in isolation the entire possession. Like Harden tried to drive on him once and then backed it out and then mm-hmm. tried to go into his step back three and Rob stayed with him the entire time. Like yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. All right, so I have the number two pick. In the first half, Bruce Brown went up, um, you know, for a shot and Rob had to hustle from so far away. I mean, he literally, like he crossed the entire court and, 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 and you know, not knocked away. I mean, it was like the amount of ground that he had to cover was really, really impressive. And like, he, you know, he ended up going kind of flying into the stands and he kept it in bounds to Nicole's earlier point. So it was uh, just a, a really impressive, impre- it was an impressive defensive play an impressive basketball IQ play. And then just an impressive athletic ability play. It, it was really good. All right. I'm going to go out of order on my Robert Williams big board here going a little crazy and I'm going to take the in the middle of he had five fourth quarter blocks which in itself is absurd but in the middle of this stretch with like 10 minutes left not actually 9 30 left in the fourth quarter Nick Claxton like this was at the point where they were pump faking everything at Rob just trying to get him to bite on everything new Rob not biting on a lot of stuff and he was just refusing to let Nick Claxton get any good look at the rim and might have gotten away with a foul on the last play or in the last bit of the play either way this was like right at the height of the rob block mania in the fourth quarter so because of the hype that surrounded it i'll go with that one and also great discipline on that play it was it was a really solid play that was a good one all right oh wait i have two so i can take i didn't even have to go out of order in my big (laughs) board here uh the first block of the night on Kyrie was extremely impressive anytime you can block Kyrie inside is just like very very impressive the fact that Rob was able to do so in coming from behind. So he was, he got thrown onto him on the perimeter. He beats him and then recovers extremely well and somehow manages to like jump over the back of Kyrie and just swat the shit out of of Kyrie's lap. So that was probably like the Harden one was really, really good, but I think that was one of the more skilled blocks he had in this game. It was also one of the most aesthetically pleasing, like, cause yeah. he just really like, um, he, I mean, cause he hit it so hard and it hit the backwards on one of my favorite, just random, like very common pieces of basketball phrasing is when a guy like blocks a shot off the backboard, like really hard. And somebody says he beat it up off the backboard. I'm just like, cause it's so descriptive. Cause there's yeah. that big swing and then like the big, like noise from, it. I, I, I think um, that really describes the Kyrie block quite well. 
Uh, so I guess so Kyrie, I was I was hoping that one was going to somehow slide to me, but there was a a, a block in the in, in the second half. I think it was his last block of the game um, where he hustled over uh, again, covered a ton of distance, and he pinned Joe Harris off the glass. And the other thing was like like Harris had beaten his defender pretty bad. Rob was guarding the guy in the corner and Rob just like runs along the baseline, gets all the way over there. And again, just like put it right up against the glass. And again, to Nicole's earlier point, like keeps it in play. It's all, you know, he's got the ball pinned and, you know, and, and uh, play continues from there. But I, I just, but, so both of mine so far have been ones where you just, you see Rob's IQ really, I mean, coming along at like an alarming rate. Like he, he's, he's, he's really progressing quickly. Both of those are really good that way. Okay. I'll go with in the first quarter. This one wasn't particularly exciting, but this was when the Celtics were playing like really good basketball, obviously. And Kyrie missed a three and Jeff Green went up for a put back and it looked to be like a really easy bucket and Rob just like poked it out. Like uh, Tom just mentioned too, like there were plays that I think the Nets really thought they had an easy bucket and then Rob just comes in and that's not the case. And then I'll take in the fourth quarter as part of like his whole block party with like five minutes left. He, he did an old Rob block uh, on Bruce Brown, just deflected it with authority, like very strong volleyball spike. And it did go out of bounds, but those are exciting highlights. Like literally in my notes, that was next to my big board too, because in my notes, I just have swatted the shit out of Bruce. <laughs> my next pick, I think I'm going to take, there was, so in the, in, in the second quarter, he blocked Bruce Brown. It was just kind of, Brown got it in kind of the middle of the paint and just kind of floated it up there. Um, the thing that was impressive about that one was was Rob's timing. As Bruce was jumping up, Rob was like perfectly in line with him. Like they both jumped at precisely the same moment. And uh, like Rob really, if Rob jumps at exactly the same moment as you, there's just absolutely no chance that your shot is getting over him. So that, that was the cool thing about that one. Again, his, his timing, his IQ were just perfectly on point in this game. All right. My final pick is a uh, Joe Harris driving layup in the beginning of the fourth quarter that was rob williams fifth block it does not have a highlight on the nba stats site i do not know what he did but he refused to let joe harris convert on his driving layups that is the final pick of our geno time draft tonight thank you my biggest takeaway from that exercise was like it really illuminates how many different types of blocks rob can do like not just in the block itself but like him being in position him like coming over to cover him like hustling back he used to be out of position so often and would like get beat and now like he's making plays like that transformation really has been like so cool to watch and he did all of this with like his turf toe i was just gonna say the cool i think the coolest thing for rob is how much money he probably made for himself tonight because so if you're, Celtics and you're watching this performance one he makes you so much better like rob is such a positive impact on the on the Boston Celtics. And number two, you know, now he sort of has that like one big like you guys know, like I have nine blocks in a playoff <laughs> game against the Nets. Amy, you better money. back up that Brinks truck. <laughs> like I'm coming for my money. He does make such an impact. It's what we were talking about before. There's so much stuff that doesn't even pop up in the box score. And I know that sounds very cliche, but honestly, with Rob Williams, there's a ton of stuff that doesn't pop up. And there is no shot, even as the Celtics were unraveling in the second half, that they were still within. They they still had a chance to get back into this game, even early on in the fourth quarter. No shot. That's even an option here if Rob Williams is not in the lineup. Rob can play this type of defense and generally he's like not perfect, but like pretty close to perfect from the field. Like five for eight is like a poor night for him. Like usually he's like <laughs> seven of eight, eight of eight. Find the range tonight. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was like early in the first quarter, there was a, a, a chance where I thought he was going to attempt a mid-range jumper. I don't know if you know this. I, play- do. I actually yeah. do. Yes. I know exactly what player you're talking about. Yeah. I think he thought about it and was like, no, no, I've learned. <laughs> Not on this stage. Yes. If this was the Pistons, yes. <laughs> if this was Summer League, I would just, Brad Bailey would be having a fit. <laughs> I would take two steps back. <laughs> that's truly one of my favorite rob moments was like but literally the first summer league game he takes i think like four mid-range jumpers bricks i think all of them or like three of them and then after the game we're like yeah so is that something the coaches have been like encouraging or that you've been trying to integrate into your game he's like no i just want to see if i can make them <laughs> oh and you're right because it was it was scott morrison who was their who was their coach and we asked like scott about that play and he was like no we didn't want him to do that <laughs> and we don't want him to do that in the future either Either. Yes. Rob, if you're listening, stop. <laughs> oh man, good times. Anyway, so the, I guess that that does kind of lead into the the next topic. I mean, Tristan Thompson had a tough night, and like I I felt like I was I felt like I was going insane because I mean, like I, I saw a couple of Nets accounts being like, "Wow, Tristan Thompson is the reason the Celtics are in this." I, I was I was I like I just thought he really struggled, and, and not all of it was his fault. Like the Celtics left him on an island against yeah. some best players which was weird but like it's not like he did well against them like he he really struggled I and it's just so obvious how much better the Celtics are when Rob Williams is in the game as opposed to Tristan and you know again that's not really Tristan's fault just is what it is but like the plus minus tonight Tristan Thompson was minus 16 Rob was plus five and it really felt like those two things like the difference was real like it felt like Rob was plus 19 over Tristan Thompson in terms of like impact on the Celtics tonight. I think this is a random theory that I kind of came up with tonight. I think people, outsiders, people who don't watch the Celtics every game, they see the offensive glass numbers, outsiders, (laughs) people who aren't like us see the, (laughs) see the offensive rebounding numbers and they immediately say, all right, he's very effective. He's very impactful. He's useful. And sure, that's useful because it did help the Celtics a little bit in the second half kind of hang in. But like, because Mike Breen brought it up like numerous times, like the offensive class, the offensive class, and he was a total negative for the majority of his time on the floor tonight. And to your point about the Celtics putting him on an island, they were intentionally switching him, like accepting the switch with him onto Harden numerous times throughout the game. And it was very intentional. It wasn't like they were trying to avoid it. And that was really weird to me. A couple of those possessions, he just looked helpless out there. And that was really odd. I don't know if you're going to see that change moving forward, but that was one of the most bizarre portions of this game for me. I, cause they kept doing it continuously and right off the, right off the start of the game, he had a couple switches where he just got burned and you're like, okay, they, these switches got to stop and they did it. And then you could tell like, okay, this is not something they're actively trying to avoid here. So that was a very weird part of this game pertaining to Tristan. Do you guys think Rob starts? In game two? I mean, it's all his health. Like, it, it, yeah. Brad, Brad isn't stupid. Like, when yeah. Rob played all the minutes down the stretch, like, when the Celtics still had a chance, Rob was in the game. Like, I'm sure I Brad mean, would love to play Rob 40 minutes. It's just, like, it all just depends how, like, how Rob's feeling, I think. So he played 22 minutes tonight. Tristan Thompson played 24 minutes. Like, I guess Rob was probably would have been part of, like, the closing lineup if that were necessary, but... I just think like, if you're going to play him, why not just put him in the starting lineup? Like getting off to a good start is so important. And they managed to like, whether this, I mean, it wasn't really a storm. They like, it was fine today, but like, if it gets out of hand, it doesn't really matter then what Rob does. And he has two days rest. Maybe he'll feel like a little bit better. We'll see. 
More importantly, do you, do you guys think Alex Lynn is going to start tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> the two days rest and the two days rest thing is really nice for Rob that he gets that, you know, that much time, even before game three, that's, that's useful. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the only counter I have to Rob starting is that, like you said, the Celtics got off to a good start and I feel like sometimes they do come out with some energy and then if they get hit in the mouth, then they get discouraged. So maybe there is some benefit to like coming out and like, you know, coming out swinging and then, yeah, you get hit in the mouth, but then you get to put Rob in and then, you know, you have the lines that just kind of make sense in the play a little bit better. I don't know. I it's. If the Nets just have any sort of hot start, like if they fall behind 22, 10, even it's like, and Especially that might be a little too just, but like. Because, because again, you know, the Nets have enough offense around like, like with their guys. And you also know that they can throw their entire defense and prevent Tatum from going completely crazy. Like they can just triple team him if they have to. And like, okay. who else is going to beat us? Is Marcus Smart going to be smart had a great game, but is he going to beat Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden? Like that's, that's an impossible. They gladly accept that chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even tonight, like it was a bad night for them. And Kevin Durant still finished with 32. Kyrie had 29 and Harden had 21. It's, like, it's so crazy. Like 75, basically like three fourths of their points. And it was like a shitty night for them. Like, even though there's like so many positives for the Celtics, yeah. it's like, in, I hate to say like, but they didn't win because like the expectations were so low. Like we're not going to like switch up and just be like... <laughs> I don't know, criticize them for not capitalizing, but it's like, this really seemed like the shot. Again, Tatum had a shitty night too. So I guess if he goes off, maybe there's something there, but it's just. On a relatively off night, those three guys scored 82 points when the Celtics scored 93. <laughs> that is absurd. <laughs> that, that's that's a wild stat. It's crazy. That kind of brings me to my last point. I thought, so one of the things Brad said was like, we can attack differently. We can attack differently. We can attack better. He like repeated that a few times. Like, I think Brad thinks that there are some real ways that their offense can get better. And I felt that one of the ways was just like utilizing Tatum a little bit differently because the, the way the Nets were guarding him, they were putting guys on him that made it hard. Like Kevin Durant played defensively, like really well against Jason Tatum. And I felt that one of the things the Celtics could have done is put him in more pick and rolls. Like it's going to be hard to isolate him against the Nets, I feel like. And I mean, Tatum's not a super efficient isolation player anyway. When he's really tough is when he starts running around pick and rolls and getting to the hoop getting into the paint, drawing fouls, because he's doing that really well. Also, he got a pretty friendly whistle tonight, aside from Kevin Durant elbowing him in the elbowing him in the chin. But he got, you know, he was getting some, he's a great player, but he was getting some superstar calls tonight for sure. So I, I think that one thing the Celtics can do is, is try, like, try to get him going downhill to the hoop a little bit more rather than isolating him, rather than, um, you know, having him like take like these sidestep threes, like just kind of run more pick and roll for him. Make, make, like lean into it, make your offense completely Jason Tatum centric, but like do it as if he's kind of the point guard instead of, uh, instead of an isolation guy. I just feel like that would be a, an easier way to attack the Nets, especially if KD is guarding uh, Tatum. And they did that a couple times early on in the first and quarter worked. and it worked okay. and they, they, they would run a high pick and roll and he would just fire downhill and it worked. And he's so good when he gets going downhill, obviously the Nets defense has plenty to do with this, but they went away from that. And I totally agree. That's the best way to utilize Tatum. Any way you can get him going downhill is a positive thing for the Celtics. And if you can run those high pick and rolls and just have him just coming down hard into the paint on someone like that makes a lot of sense for the oh. way he plays. Yeah, if they could try to do that more consistently throughout the game, I think that would benefit their offense to a total other degree. 
Because even if they shut that down, then what happened, the reason they shut it down is because somebody collapsed and then right. he's passing it and then the ball is moving again. And he's done a great job at that over yeah. the course of this season. Like he never used to do all that. He sees the floor really, really well. And so when guys collapse on him now, he can kick out. He's even become a pretty good interior passer too, which we saw a couple of times tonight. So yeah, like that just opens up the rest of the offense if you can get him going downhill and attract that extra attention. 100%. All right. Well, I think that about does it for me on this game. Uh, again, it, it feels weird to criticize the Celtics because like, like, what did we expect? Like this was, this was about what we expected. And, and honestly, they played pretty well. It's just the Brooklyn Nets are a lot better and the Celtics aren't, aren't fully healthy and the Brooklyn Nets were better even when the Celtics were fully healthy. So here we are, I guess. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you all for uh, thank you all for hanging out. Um, we'll, I mean, we're going to pod after every game this series, and we will talk to you all again uh, later this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.